It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Well, it's another great edition of Make the Dough Rise coming at you right now. Walter Storholt here alongside Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Living Worth Wealth Advisors in the Lake Country and serving you in all locations beyond as well. An office, though, based in Greensboro, Georgia. Find us online at livingworth.com. Brian, can't wait for today's conversation. How you been, my friend? Been doing great. Everything is going well, as far as I can tell, in, in spite of all the craziness in the headlines. Well, let's just jump right to it today because it's political season. As we know, the election is right around the corner and you want to go and talk about Social Security. I thought we weren't supposed to talk about, you know, politics and Social Security. Shouldn't we be leaving this conversation out here at the beginning of the uh, election? Fortunately, what I have to talk about is divorced somewhat from the immediate politics of today. It is definitely a longer term project or impact. For disclosure, we're recording this about a month ahead of the election. And so rather than me trying to speculate on the outcome of the election and what that's going to mean for portfolios and markets and programs and all the things that we talk about, we'll wait till the election results are actually in and we know what is going to happen. Because while everybody has their projected you know, tax plans and proposals, no presidential candidates tax plan that they proposed during the election process ever actually got implemented as proposed during the campaign season. There, We do still have checks and balances. You still have to re- write and rechange laws through, through Congress. So it, it's a little early to speculate on what may happen, you know, in the next year or two. So we'll, we'll save that for next time. Well, it's going to be an interesting uh, reaction to see what happens to the election this year and everything that results from that. I'm sure it's a topic we'll be discussing at the tail end of the year and trying to you know see what results from that as we go into 2021. But we, we're still in 2020, Brian. We've still got to make it through this crazy year. So yeah, why uh, why this topic today? I know we're not going to tie it into the political conversation directly here. I imagine Social Security, you know, surprise, surprise, probably something you're talking with every every client that comes through the door, right? Well, yeah, and and I had something that popped onto my radar in addition to everything else crazy that has happened this year. Obviously, we've had the coronavirus. We've had a, a incredibly high level of market volatility, and you know, unfortunately, we the market has largely you know recovered, and if not exceeded where it started the year, you know, at least as we speak today. Throw on top of that, we have entered an era or re-entered the era of near zero interest rates from the Federal Reserve. And that has certainly an impact positively if you're a borrower, but negatively if you are a saver. Then on top of that, we've thrown, what, another $3 trillion on top of the national debt. And I feel like that story hasn't gotten enough play with everything else that's gone on this year. That was a really big chunk of debt to just heap onto the pile all at once. Well, and, and the the proposals that they're talking about now for doing additional stimulus, it's like, well, you know, we're at three trillion. They're at a trillion. If you know, if everybody What's would just another one, you know, yeah, just adjust it by a trillion, and we'll meet in the middle. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I did this. So anyway, here here we go on the the immediate we, politics. We, we won't again. we won't get off track. We won't get off track. <laughs> <laughs> 
but you know, to be fair, we're vectoring in on twenty-eight trillion dollars of you know current debt, and that's going to have to be serviced with interest at a minimum. And while rates are zero, that's again, if you're a borrower, that that works to your favor. Then you know, throw on top of that, IRA distribution rules have changed for you and your beneficiaries permanently. It's just quietly, some some laws got changed and changed and adjusted that will impact your distributions and then more more importantly your your beneficiaries distributions and you know so that all, all of that has happened and then to top it off another advisor pointed out to me this new disclosure or asterisk on a social security benefit statement and you know we used to get these in the mail every year and you know you had a nice little you know four pager that was you know bifolded and you could see what your projected social security benefit was going to be you could see what your you know spouse and and survivor benefits could be if something were to happen to you typically has a a record of all of your earnings history on there there's a lot of great information but they have quit sending these out at least maybe at certain ages. I don't know if they send them out every other year to, to some people, but I, I don't get them in the mail like I used to every year. So I actually had to log on to ssa.gov, and I would encourage everybody to, if they don't have an account there, point your web browser to ssa.gov and activate your Social Security login and, and username so that you can go in and, you know, check updates to your benefits and make sure your earnings record is correct and all those things. Cause that, that, that does and will impact your, your benefit. And it has the numbers for different ages as well. So if you want to start at 62 or and maybe wait till you're 67 or, or 70, the, those projected amounts are there. So it, it's great information and uh, you and your spouse should, should actually you know make sure you're still receiving this, but here's, the million dollar asterisk that is on here. And I'm just going to read this. Uh, you, you, again, you can pull up your statement and, and it says under the Medicare section, there's a little asterisk and, and in bold, but a slightly smaller font. It says your estimated benefits are based on current law. That's true. There's a formula for social security written into the law. It's based on your earnings record and you know there's a there's an actual mathematical formula for your benefit but and I, i've added the but congress has made changes to the law in the past and can do so at any time the law governing benefit amounts may change because and here's the key verbiage by 2035 the payroll taxes collected will be enough to pay only about 79% of scheduled benefits. Bum, bum, bum. It's like they, they've slipped it in writing now, what everyone's rumored and talked about for so long. It, it is on the Social Security benefits statement. So a, a client had actually brought this to the attention of the advisor who brought it to my attention. And I've never seen this on here before. I don't know exactly when it got added, but... The fact that it has been added to the Social Security benefit statement makes it real and makes it a little 
scarier. And so I, I guess the question I'm asking is, or, or proposing or answering for people is, should you be scared or not? Should you be scared or not? As somebody who's still far from retirement, I'm I'm a little nervous that the number w- that disclaimer that you uncovered will be even less by the time I get to retirement. Yeah. So, so if you were going to get seventy five or eighty percent of your projected benefit, well, the good news is, you know, there's still going to be they're they're projecting to have enough revenue to pay eighty per seventy nine eighty percent of the benefit. So that's it's not like this is going away or it's going to disappear. The big issue comes back to what they call the Social Security Trust Fund. And they've got $3 trillion in a special issue of U.S. Treasury bonds that makes up the exalted Social Security Trust Fund. And so what has happened in 20, I think it was 2019 and, and definitely now 2020, the revenue coming in to pay Social Security benefits through uh, payroll taxes is less than the benefits that they're paying out. We've already crossed that threshold. So what they're doing is they're now drawing from this $3 trillion trust fund to make up that gap. And what they're really saying with this statement is that is that by 2035, this trust fund is going to have been depleted. And so the revenues coming in will be the, the 79% number. Well, I'm going to you just tell you right now that that $3 trillion trust fund, and I'm using air quotes on trust fund, is really just funny money. It was a asset to the Social Security uh, Administration or Social Security Administration trust fund that was a special issue, like I said, of non-marketable treasury bonds. Okay, so Wow, that, that sounds complicated. Yeah, non-marketable treasury bonds. Right. So because it's non-marketable, the treasury doesn't actually have to count it as a liability on their balance sheet. But because it's treasury bonds, the Social Security Administration gets to count it as an asset on their balance sheet. Now, if that sounds a little Enron-esque, it, it is. It's accounting games that they're playing, but in this case, the exception is if Enron could have printed an unlimited amount of money and could raise taxes on you at any time, they can get away with doing this this type of of financial shenanigans. And I'll I'll give you a, a personal example. For example, if I had a cookie jar in the kitchen and every day I came in and put a 50 or $100 bill in there for for retirement, and every, and I thought, you know, that this, this is going to pile up and be my retirement savings. But unbeknownst to me, Laura came in and withdrew the $100 bill and wrote an IOU and replaced those $100 bills with IOUs. The day I get to retirement, I say, oh my gosh, my, my money is gone. And Laura says, oh, no, 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 don't, don't worry. I've, I've replaced them all with IOUs. We're going to be fine. That wouldn't work. <laughs> I think I think you all know that we can't just print ourselves money and, and get away with it. But that's effectively what the government has done. And because they can print the money and because they can raise taxes to, to generate the income, this warning, this idea that uh, we're going to have this shortfall by 2035, let me tell you clearly, this is not going to impact your benefit. So 
to answer the original question, should I be scared? No, this, this is not going to ever lead to a, a cut in your Social Security benefits. And the reason is, it's political suicide. But by the time we get to 2035, Walter, do you realize that about 30% of the population will be over 65 and drawing on these programs? De- depleting but, the programs. What, uh, not de- well, yeah, depleting and, and or, or drawing on them. Uh, it, it's possible that we could have some miraculous, maybe Elon Musk is going to create a productivity you know, boom that's going to allow our economy to grow enough that we can you know, ha- easily handle this dollar amount. But you know, more likely, they're, they're going to have to chip away at and fix Social Security at the margins. They're, they're just going to continue to do these little more obscure things that will, will fix this. And when the time comes, there's no way you're going to be able to be reelected if your campaign promise is to cut Social Security benefits. So how have they handled this in the past? Well, back in the 80s, the Social Security program was essentially broke. They, they, they literally were down to about two weeks of funds to be able to make payments. And so Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill actually came up with a compromise. And what they agreed was that they would make Social Security benefits taxable above a certain income amount. All right, so what is that without calling it by name? That's it's, essentially decreasing the benefit, right? It's, it's decreasing the benefit, and it's means testing. In other words, if, if, if you're a rich guy and you have over you know, $44,000 a year of income, we're going to make 85% of your Social Security benefit taxable. Oh, we didn't cut your benefit. We're, we're going to give you your full benefit. Oh, and then we're going to take some of it back. So it, it is actually a reduction of your benefit, but it's, you know, like— Above a certain income threshold, 85% of your benefit is taxable. What's likely to happen? They'll probably make 100% of it taxable. If you are a ultra high income earner, maybe you have 500,000 to a million plus, and if for some reason that level of income continues into retirement, uh, they, they may means test away the benefit for for people like that. That's That's purely speculative at this point. I think the more likely scenario is if you wait to draw your social security benefit, you know, from 66 or 67, if you delay your benefit until 70, are you aware of how your future benefit will actually increase? Have have you, have you you seen that math or that Mm -mm. formula? So again, if you go back to your social security benefit statement, it will show you at age 62, the earliest you can draw social security, your benefit may be $2,000 per month. But if you wait until age 67, your benefit may be $3,000 per month. And if you delay till age 70, your benefit may be $3,800 or $3,900 per month. So you get this increase in your future benefit if you delay taking it, which makes sense. I mean, you've, you've not taken dollars today. Your life expectancy is shorter. It's just an actuarial calculation. But that calculation was set back in the 80s when they they made the same rule about taxing benefits. And do you remember what interest rates were back in the early 80s? 
That was uh, that was our time of really high interest rates, right? Sky high. Like you, was that you, was you that during the ninety percent area era? Yeah, well, you hear stories about you know twelve, fifteen, eighteen percent mortgages. Uh, you could buy CDs, you know, that paid the same. It w- it was a crazy coming off of the hyperinflation days time period. So when they set this eight percent, there's an eight percent increase for every year you wait to draw your social security benefit. Well. When they set that 8% number, the interest rate environment was in the double digits. And so 8% seemed ridiculously low at the time. So just like they capped those uh, income amounts back in the 80s, well, now we've, you know, most everybody has, has outstripped those. And so their social security benefit is taxable. This 8% number has remained in place. So they're, my guess is they will do away a with the 8% delayed credit. Now, is that going to impact current retirees? No. Is that going to impact people retiring in the next, I don't know, five years? Probably not. Will it impact those that are retiring in 10, 15, and 20 years? I would say absolutely. Hmm. Uh, Just by the way, I I pulled up the ssa.gov, like you said, at the beginning of the show, and I'm, I'm looking through my statement as we're chatting. My, uh, it looks to be about 70% of the benefit, um, is what I would get at 62 versus, you know, for me, it's full retirement considered 67. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got about a 70% um, 70% of that uh, full retirement age benefit if I took it early. Right. So, so the full retirement age benefit is, we'll call that 100%. Yeah. And so the age 62 benefit is roughly 70%. And the age 70 benefit is roughly 130%. Looks, looks about right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's not exact, but that's that's roughly what. It, well, that's roughly, yeah. That's a eight percent discounted rate and an eight percent growth rate. So if you took that full retirement amount and compounded it by eight percent, that's how you get the delayed number. And if you backed it up and and discounted it based on an eight percent number, that's how you get the age sixty two number. So that eight percent delayed credit and that eight percent discount for claiming early, I think that number is going to go away. And I don't know how that's going to impact early benefits, but um, I don't think you're going to see the big benefit by waiting and delaying until age 70. So these are the little things that they can do to tweak and change Social Security. They have done these in the past. Uh, they've done, done away with different claiming strategies for spouses. Uh, you know, Maybe the amount of the, the spousal benefit could be impacted. And a big one... If you are in the you know higher income tax brackets, I would be very concerned about uh, them raising the cap on FICA taxes. So so currently it's about one hundred and thirty-two thousand. I think one hundred thirty-two thousand nine hundred is the the cap at which you earn your way out of you know being uh, taxed for Social Security, Medicare. There's no cap on. They could very easily do away with that that cap for uh, people who are still earning and and tax that number all the way up to you know all of your income and that's that's six point two percent for your share and your employer pays six point two percent. Well, if you are your own employer, you end up paying twelve point four percent. Well, if you're dramatically above one hundred and thirty two thousand nine hundred, that could be a significant tax increase. So. This all just really strikes me as death by a thousand cuts. Like the, it's political suicide to just come out and say we're going to cut benefits and do it all in one fell swoop. 
but uh, they'll get the but it, you know it, or the or the frog boiling in water. You put him into yes. a hot hot boiling water, he'll jump right out. But if you put him into cool water and then slowly heat it up to boiling, by the time he realizes it's hot, it'll, it'll be too late. I kind of feel you like got that's a cooked frog on your hands. Yeah, we've got a cooked frog. Uh, which you know, don't get me wrong, I've had a couple of frog legs in my life, and they're not too bad. But <laughs> <laughs> we just don't want us to be the. But frog. we don't want to be the frog. That's exactly right. Yeah, indeed. So, so that's, that's yeah, what's a the takeaway? Yeah, I, I know that's a lot, and there's a lot of complication to that. But it's a little, again, daunt, it's a little daunting because it doesn't really sound like there's a way to wiggle out of this problem. No, I, I, I think who has wiggled out of the problem are corporations offering pensions. So they, they saw the writing on the wall for, you know, lifespans increasing and they had underfunded uh you know pension plans and the department of labor came back in the 70s and in ERISA law required uh, pensions to get fully funded and they looked at the math you know 50 years ago and said gosh we we, we got to maneuver ourselves out of this pension business and and they have that's basically how they've addressed it is the migration to the 401k and um you know so now a lot of this burden falls on us if we're if we're contributing to 401ks or we're relying on our uh, savings and we don't have pensions this this math is where this comes from but because this is a government program and because it is a political hot potato it hasn't been dealt with in a way that really addresses uh, the problem so I, I i say all that to say that the biggest risks that you face well, it's not that your Social Security benefit's going to be cut. I think the big risk is that we're going to either see you know, dramatically increased inflation. And, and really, once we got the hyperinflation of the 70s and 80s and under control, inflation has remained very tame for decades now. And, and that's part of why we see these, these very low rates. But the other day, the Federal Reserve was talking about uh, they have a 2% target for inflation. So ideally, they would like inflation to just kind of hover at that 2% or below without having deflation. Well, we have been below that 2% number for quite some time now. Powell came out the other day and said, well, you know, we've been below this 2% target for quite some time now. We would be okay with a period of time above the 2% number so that our long-term average is 2%. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, that is setting the stage, paving the way for preparing people for very accommodative monetary policy, very low interest rates, things that will really stimulate and boost the economy, which, to be fair, during this corona uh, crisis, we we need. But the fact that they're willing to let loose of this 2% target and run above that, they could just inflate their way out of the debt. They could, you know, de- devalue the the cost of the debt by just in- inflating you know, the, the the dollars to where they are worth less than they they currently are. That's the typical play that that people pursue. So, the inflation eating into the purchasing power of your future benefit that's the bigger risk that I would say people need to prepare for. Don't plan on your social security benefit being cut. Plan on it maybe not going as far. As as you think it's going to. That's I know diff- we, I know we don't like assumptions, especially in the financial world. But I realize when you put together plans for people, Brian, and you have to project years out into the future, you you kind of have to assume 
a certain rate of inflation. And I imagine that's a bit difficult for you to decide on, okay, it might be different than what we're experiencing today, but I'm trying to average out into the future and and do some predicting. And I don't want to underestimate, but at the same time, I don't want to overestimate. What do you assume in your plans when you're kind of trying to project income and savings for folks to make sure that they're okay in retirement? Do you have kind of a personal opinion on, in terms of your planning, what you set as that number? Yeah, well, I mean, it's the classic thing with statistics. You know, the long-term average for inflation is about 2.9%. So if you planned on two and a half to three and a half, that would be a good range historically to plan on. But it all boils back to when you retire and what inflation rate you experience, right? I mean, if you retired in the 70s and 80s and you had hyperinflation, you weren't realizing the historical average. You don't you don't get to go back and say, oh, wait, no, that, that number is only supposed to be 2.9%. It is what it is when you retire. And if you've been you know, around for the last you know, couple of decades, we've actually had you know, relatively low inflation. So, uh, yeah, you have to pick a number and, and just plan around it. To go out more than three to five years is, is probably, you're just guessing at that point. But if you don't draw that baseline and measure against it going forward, you're never going to know whether you're veering off track. So my point is, is to pick a number that makes sense, maybe stress test it by bumping it up or down a, a half a percent or a percent just to see what would happen and and then monitor closely and have a backup plan. All that makes sense, Brian. So Social Security, I think the maybe an underwriting message here, talking about inflation, talking about Social Security, some of the changes, taxes, debt issues. Um, it's kind of that old story of um, you know all your eggs in one basket. You, you wouldn't mm-hmm. want to put all your eggs in the Social Security basket. Folks who have done that are, are going to struggle in retirement years, even now, let alone into the future. Um, if you, at the same token, put all of your eggs into the real estate basket, you leave yourself exposed to a lot of different risks. If you're on the stock market, you're uh, that's a whole other set of risks that you're taking on. If that's the only thing you're on, I mean, you're kind of you're 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 going out to sea without a full tank of gas and enough to to get you back necessarily. And so yeah. that seems to be why you preach so often on this show the reason for diversification and spreading things out into different areas and kind of that. I don't know if you even like this word, but the holistic approach to making sure you're kind of addressing all these different needs. Yeah, holistic or or just, again, diversified. And I think one of the biggest problems I see with today's savers is they have all of their eggs in one tax basket, the 401k, IRAs. Uh, maybe they have a little bit of uh, investments or brokerage accounts outside of, but they're not looking to really diversify their tax exposure. Okay, there's, there's diversifying your investments, you know, stocks, bonds, real estate, all the different things that you could potentially invest in. But then there's what account types you own them in. And so I always tell people, ideally, if you could get 40% in brokerage, 40% in IRAs or tax-deferred accounts, and because the window is quite small, it's harder to get money into the tax-free basket. But the Roth 401k certainly gives us a window to get more money into the tax-free bucket. But if you do that, you'd now have the flexibility, regardless of what they do to capital gains tax rates or income tax rates, or if you need access to a lump sum, you now have the flexibility to respond in the future. And you could run the math on what what makes the most sense today, but 
in the future, you have to have the nimbleness and the flexibility to draw money from the right account types when you need it. So that's that's a whole other topic for another day. But um, inflation, taxes, th- those are the bigger risks to your you know retirement uh, longevity and and uh, purchasing power than than a cut or a reduction in social security benefits. That that that's the bottom line of this. Any action steps that we can take uh, after today's show, uh, Brian, listening to today's program and thinking about maybe we heard some things that piqued our interest a little bit or made us concerned about our own Social Security uh, election strategy. Maybe we were thinking about taking it early, but after hearing the example of how much, you know, it's that 70% versus 100% versus 130% if you wait. If anybody's got questions on that, what are some action steps that they can take? Interestingly, we've I've worked with uh, Carrie Debs, who's been a, a guest on this podcast in the in the past she and I have actually teamed up and we've we've written a paper called the 401k trap and we specifically outline where this problem comes from and what the impact could be and some of the things that you could do about it so why don't we put a link in the show notes here and if you would like to get a copy of the 401k trap that is a you know readable. It, it, it's somewhat involved and, and it's uh, lengthy enough that it'll give you an overview of what the problem is and, and what the issue is. But it's not a, you know, overly heavy or overly dense academic research paper. We've we've sifted through a number of, uh, of sources and calculations and, and things and tried to put it into a little more plain English for people to understand. So uh, for the, the first thing I would say is get, get a copy of the, the paper, the 401k trap. That's, that, that outlines the issue. Then if you are wanting to tackle this yourself and or you know running social security projections and claiming strategies, that, that's a whole topic of, of, within the financial planning process. Which account types to fund? when to draw from those account types, when to harvest capital gains. Uh, th- these all factor in. And so that's that's the more uh, detailed financial plan. But if you're curious to see if we could help, uh, we've got some resources on the website. You can take our uh, quiz or you could get uh, on the calendar for a 15-minute call and, and just do an introductory call and, and see if we could be of help. Very good. It's uh, easy to take that retirement mindset quiz. If you want to find out if you are ready for retirement, just go to livingworth.com. That's livingworth.com. If you're not already there listening to the show, we'll put a link in the description or in the show notes of today's program so that you can find it easily. Again, you just go to livingworth.com. That's livingworth.com and look for the retirement mindset quiz. Well, Brian, great show today. Appreciate you uh, tackling what is the third rail of politics right before the election. Well done, my friend. Uh, (laughs) But no, I I think in in all seriousness, we could have this conversation any time of year. And uh, this stuff is important because although we're not going to rely on Social Security, it's still an element of your financial plan that you want to get right and that we need to pay attention to. It is definitely a pillar. And uh, one of the things we talk about in the paper is, you know, the three pillars being you know, pensions, Social Security, and then personal savings. And the pension one has, has crumbled pretty dramatically. I think there's a perception that Social Security is, is crumbling or it uh, is weakened. And there's some truth to that, but it's not as dire as, as the doomsdayers would say, in my opinion. And then finally, the, the final pillar is your personal savings. And the burden increasingly is on you to make sure your 
you know, financial security, longevity, cost of living adjustments are, are covered. So act now while there's, uh, there, there's time to, to plan ahead. Very good. Again, livingworth.com, your place to go for more information and to take that retirement mindset quiz. Brian, thank you for the help today, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you on the next episode. And thank you for listening to the program today. Don't ever hesitate to reach out if you have any questions, suggestions for topics on the show, anything that's on your mind. We're certainly there to uh, chat with you. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon right back here on Make the Dough Rise. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.